time we read the word of God, something has to go wrong. Can I get an amen? Amen. Ah, now we're cooking. One, two, three, four. Okay, we got it? Okay, we okay back there also? Great. Let's give the Lord a hand. Come on. We got started here. Well, the last time I was up here, I started on quite a few verses in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And as I continued to study, I found myself cutting back on verses 1 through 10, 1 through 9, 1 through 5. I finally got down to a few verses. And the same is true today as we study Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. I wanted to go farther, but I couldn't because of the import, the importance of today's message. And you'll see that when we tackle verses 4 and 5. So without further ado, you see the preliminary remarks, and they are preliminary to our study on verses 4 and 5. So I'm going to dig in right away, and you will perhaps capture the significance of today's message. The preliminary remarks, man, soul, spirit from the American Tract Society. The ancients supposed the soul, <coughs> or rather the animating principle of life to reside in the breath. I really want to take my time this morning because I want you to understand, and I'm going to read the first part again and then proceed. The ancients supposed the soul, or rather the animating principles of life, to reside in the breath, let it depart from the body with the breath. Hence the Hebrew and Greek words which, when they refer to man in our Bibles, are translated soul, are usually rendered life or breath when they refer to animals. Leave that screen up. I'm going to capitalize on Genesis 2-7 which you see is cited in this verse. And God, and let me get this straight, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Can I get an amen? Do you know that as you read the book of Genesis, the first chapter, God created the beast of the field, plants, animals by divine fiat. But there was something different about man. It's stated here in Genesis 2-7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. Now, I want to stop right there. Say breath of life. Do you know? Do you know? I have to be real calm about this because I want to get excited. Because I want to get excited about the word of God. 
So I need to the word of God. So I need to slow down to make sure I'm coherent. Breath of life. Say it again. Do you know in the Hebrew it's the breath of lives? What are you getting to, Brother Bruce? He not only created, he not only created physical life, but he created spiritual life, the ability to communicate with the creator. Can I get an amen? And I know this is off the cuff. Do you know that you have the ability to communicate with the Lord God Almighty? Let me go on, number two. But together with this principle life, now this is a new contrast, which is common to men and Bruce. You have something in common, animal life, and which in Bruce perishes with the body. There is in man a spiritual, reasonable, and immortal soul, the seed of thoughts, affections, and reasonings, which distinguishes us from the Bruce creation and it was chiefly consists of our resemblance to God. Do you know that you were originally created in the image of God, the resemblance of God? And I already read Genesis 2-7, uh, but here, is, um, here it is again. This must be spiritual because it thinks it must be immortal because it is spiritual. Is there a difference between animal life and spiritual life? Of course there is. This is probably out of place, but I'm going to say it. And fear not them which can kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in Gehenna. Now, I'm not going to get over the meaning of Gehenna. You probably already know, but it's the final state of the lost. That's all I'll say. Getting back to Genesis 126. And God said, let us, say us. One of the deacons and I were talking this morning briefly And we were mentioning our attention, just briefly talked about us. And this is again off the cuff. Do you know you were created by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Can I get an amen? Animals weren't. You were. don't want you to get confused. I mean the image of God in you. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Man alone. Say man alone. I have to get this in your 
mind. You're special. Scripture ascribes to man alone understanding, conscious, the knowledge of God, wisdom, immortality, and the hope of future everlasting happiness. It threatens men only with punishment and another life and with the pains of hell. In some places, the Bible seems to distinguish between soul. Uh, let me slow down. Thank you for playing yeah. <laughs> I need a yeah once in a while. It threatens men only with punishment and another life and with the pains of hell. In some places, the Bible seems to distinguish soul from spirit. You see the verses. The organ of our sensations, appetites, and passions allied to the body form the nobler portion of our nature which most allies or allies man to God. Yet we are to conceive of them as one indivisible spiritual being called also the mind and the heart, spoken of variously as living, feeling, understanding, reasoning, willing. Its usual designation is the soul. What's your conclusion, Brother Bruce? My conclusion is from the Word of God. Man not only has a soul, you are a soul. For instance, when you say, he's a happy soul, you mean a happy person. Let me repeat. Man not only has a soul, he is a soul. Can I get an amen? amen? Let's go on before I confuse you. <clears throat> Number five. I'm going to read Ecclesiastes 9, 1 through 10, but I'm going to capitalize on 4 and 5. For all this I considered in my heart, even to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. Say hand of God. I'm going to repeat this probably over and over and over. Your very existence, whether you're lost or you're saved, or in the hand of God. Amen. And if you're lost, if you're not saved, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, this message is for you and is also for the saved. No man knows either love or hatred by all that is before them. All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean and to the unclean, to him that sacrifices, this is King James, and to him that sacrifices not. As is the good, so is the sinner. And he that sweareth as he that feareth an oath. One event to all. Number six. This is an evil among all things that are done under the sun, that there is one event unto all. Yes, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their heart while they live, and after that they go to the dead. Number seven, for to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. 
For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything, neither have they any more reward, a reward. For the memory of them is forgotten. Also, their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. Verses 7 and 8, number 8. Go then, eat your bread in happiness and drink your wine with cheerful heart, for God has already approved your works. Let your clothes be white all the time, and let not oil be lacking on your head. 9 and 10, number 9. Enjoy life with a woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which has given which he has given to you under the sun. For this is your reward in this life. Notice I put the word this. And in your toil in which you have labored under the sun, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for there is no activity or planning or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol. What's Sheol? The place, somebody said that the place of departed spirits. Now, let's go back to verse 4 and comments from the annotated Bible. For him, for to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope for a living dog. I'm missing my sheep. It's better than a dead lion. I don't know where it's at. But anyhow, it's here somewhere. I don't know how that happened, but anyhow, I'm going to go on. However, wretched a man, a man, <coughs> I need to slow down. Can I get an amen? amen? There it is. Thank you, Pastor. Or thank you, Deacon. However, wretched a, man, a living man may be, he still has this advantage over the dead that he can hope for a change for the better. Let me ask you this morning. Are you hoping for a change for the better? Can I get an amen? amen? Then you need to find Jesus. That's the better hope. That's the only real hope that lasts forever. A dog is put as frequently done in Eastern phraseology for the vilest and lying for the most noblest of animals or beasts. <clears throat> And now, commenting from the British Family Bible, if we compare the state of the living and the dead with respect to the present world, that of the living is the best. For while we here live, we may still be in hope, either or amending or receiving further graces and blessing, both of which are cut off from the dead. And according to a common proverb, the most vile and contemptible animal as a dog that is alive is better than the most generous of all beasts, the lion, when dead. <clears throat> Say hope. Now, I don't know how long I'm going to take with them. I'm going to take my time. For the family facing foreclosure. For the father diagnosed with terminal cancer. For the wife struggling with conception. For the young girl concerning abortion. For the thousands who lost jobs and life savings, there's hope. 
the Bible says that each of us has been created for God, that he loves us, that he wants us to have a fulfilling life. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Can I get an amen? amen. Jesus said he meant a life that goes beyond mere existence to a fulfilling life lived in harmony with the creator's knowledge of us, his desires are for us. But there is something that separates us from this abundant life that God intended. I better say that correct. There is something that separates from us this abundant life that God intended. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It is because of this sin, this disobedience toward God, that every person is separated from him. Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And even worse is the consequence of sin, eternal separation from God. The wages of sin is death. However, in his love and mercy, God sent his sinless son, Jesus, to pay the price for your sins and mine. Almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died on a cross, was buried, and then rose from the dead on the third day. It is only through the death of Jesus that we can be reconciled to God. And through his death, God offers the free gift. Say free gift. Some of you are still trying to please God by your good works. But it will never happen. For the gift of God is eternal life. There is no greater hope than this. The assurance of eternal life offered to us through Jesus Christ and his promise to stay with us and sustain us in all circumstances. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height. I got to slow down. Nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I get an amen? amen? But let me continue. I only got a few more slots. God offers this hope to you today. To accept his offer, begin by admitting that you are a sinner separated from God and are in need of his forgiveness. Then... Trust only in Christ to save you from the consequences of your sins. Believe that Jesus died for your sins on the cross and was raised from the dead in order to conquer death, bridging the gap between you and God caused by sin. Turn from, that is, repent, say repent, of your sins and accept Jesus' offer to come into your life. Number 13. For the living know that they shall die. But the dead know nothing at all. Neither have they any more a reward for the memory of them is forgotten. 
Are you sure about that, Solomon? For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know nothing at all. Neither have they any more a reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. But the dead know nothing at all. When men are gone from this world, they become perfect strangers to all things here and can no longer enjoy any benefit of their labor, the fruit of which falls into the hands of other men who think not what is become of them. <clears throat> here today, gone tomorrow. Here today, gone today. What made you say that, Brother Bruce? You and I do not know what's going to happen to us the very next moment. When men are going from this world, they become perfect strangers to all things here and can no longer enjoy any benefit of their labor, the fruit of which falls into the hands of other men who think not what has become of them. Say perfect strangers. As I was reading this verse about perfect strangers, I, I know this is a little off the cuff. I got to ask you this question. Are you a perfect stranger to Jesus Christ? Can I get an amen? Or do you know him? I don't mean up here. I mean, do you know him here? Are you a stranger to Jesus Christ? Or do you have a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one by whom God created you? Only you can answer that question. If he's a perfect stranger to you, I'm not trying to be harsh, you're lost. You're just lost. I hope you know you're lost and you need to be saved. That might sound harsh, but you need to be saved. Can I get a witness? What's wrong with us preachers? We want to preach the truth without preaching the truth. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm not here to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm trying to bring you to reality. Do you know Jesus? And if you don't, oh, everybody's going to be okay. Everything's going to turn out for the good. That's hocus pocus. It's not going to turn out all right, as the following verses from the scripture will show. perfect stranger to this world when you die but not to the next observe the following slides now I really have to slow down here I'm on number 17 Jacob gathered to his people immediately after physical death Genesis 49:33, and when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons he gathered up his feet in the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. Here's another version. And when Jacob made an end of charging his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost, was gathered unto his people. Well, what does that mean, gathered unto his people? Say gathered unto his people. Now, 
You've got to get this because this is so important. The testimony that this place bears, this scripture bears to the immortality of the soul. I'm going to say it again. You and I are going to live forever somewhere. You're made in the image of God. And to his existence separate from the body. You and I have a... Let me slow down before I get overwrought. You and I have an existence that is separate from the body. Should not be lightly regarded. I do not want you to take this and say, oh, that's just another sermon. In the same moment in which Jacob is said to have gathered up his feet into the bed and to have expired or died, it is added and was gathered unto his people. Now, here's the important thing. Number 19. Body not burned till seven weeks later. Why did he say that? It is certain that his body was not then gathered to his people, not till seven weeks later. Jacob says, I'm going to be with my people at death. Can I get an amen? But his body wasn't burned until seven weeks later. And yet he said, I'm going to be gathered to his people. Let me add this. To be absent from this body is to be present with Jesus Christ. That's this one instance of being gathered to his people. And that's in the Old Testament. Genesis 49:33. Let me read it again. It is certain that his body was not then gathered to his people, nor till seven weeks later or after. And it is not likely that a circumstance so distant in point both of time and place would have been thus anticipated. Oh, I'm going to be with my brothers and sisters. And I'm going to say this, and I know I'm getting ahead of scriptures. Well, if I go to hell, I'm going to be with my brothers and sisters having a good party down there. That's what you think. You better get right with God because you're not going to have a party. You're going to be all alone. What a scary thought. Consider, number 20, I cannot help, therefore, considering this an additional evidence for the immortality, I know it says immateriality, of the soul, and that it was intended by the Holy Spirit. Say intended by the Holy Spirit. God wants you to know where you're going to spend. That's right, I call the Holy Spirit God. God, the Holy Spirit, wants you to know where you're going to spend eternity. Then when a holy man ceases to live among his fellows, his soul becomes an inhabitant of another world, and that it is joined to the spirits of just men made perfect. Number 21. In the history 
which the scriptures give us, I'm going to say something. If I say something that is not correct, it is your job to tell me about it. Can I get a witness? And anyone who tells you that when you're dead, you're dead, and it's all over, they're misquoting the scriptures. They're taking it out of context. In the history which the scriptures give us of good men in old times, it is worth observing that their dying appears to have been a circumstance easy and indifferent to them as to the historian who wrote it. What are you talking about? Well, here's what I'm talking about. With Moses, it is only go up to the Mount Nebo and die. With Aaron, ascend to Mount Or and, to the, and many to the same. And before them, we find the holy patriarch, that means the fathers, when they, let me slow down, when the appointed hour came, calling their children about them, bequeathing to posterity the promised blessing of salvation by the Messiah, gathered up their feet into the bed and dying with the same satisfaction and complacency as they would have fallen asleep. And why? But because having been always associated to think of themselves as strangers in this world, they constantly regarded death as a departure to the other and better country of which they lived in perpetual expectation. And could not therefore be surprised or alarmed at being called to take place as known they began their journey in order to finish it. I'm going to say something probably out of place. I have fought the good fight. Can you say that? Can I get an amen? I have finished the course. Henceforth there is laid up for me in heaven a crown. I don't wish you to just make it into heaven. I want you to have some crowns of rejoicing. Why do you say that, Brother Bruce? Some of you, including me, I don't want you to think I'm picking on anybody. What are you doing after you got saved? Are you fighting the good fight? Could we think as they did? We should live as they did. We should live as they did. Well, how do you live? Christian, I don't know who you are. Again, I'm not pointing my finger at anybody. The first person I should point to is me. How are we doing? Men who have finished the work God gave them to do and are through grace gathered in peace. Their bodies to the grave and their souls to the assembly of just men made perfect are unspeakably blessed. Let me say that again. Men who have finished the work God gave them to do. Christian, you and I are here because God has some work for you to do. Can I get an amen? You got some work to do, not just getting saved. 
24. Did you know this? I didn't. For brutes, unsaved, are never said to be gathered to those of their kind. If you remain lost in this life, you won't be having a party with others as I've heard when I witness to people. I, I know I said it before. Oh, my brothers and my sisters, we're going to have a party down there. If you remain lost in this life, don't look for a second chance as some people try to tell you. It is appointed unto man once to die and after this to judgment. If you don't receive Christ in this world, there's no chance that you're going to get a, another chance. If you remain lost in this world, you won't be able, you won't be having a party with others who, who too have not embraced Christ as their personal Savior. Say personal Savior. I'm going to say it again. I don't know who I'm saying it to. You need a personal Savior. One who you can relate to. One whom you can pray to. France never produced a more brilliant opponent of Christianity. That's right. There's opponents to Christianity even today, but Voltaire was one. France never produced a more brilliant opponent of Christianity than the versatile or versatile Voltaire. Toward the end of his mortal span, with a colorful career behind him, but disgusted with the cruel ironies of earthly life and more alarmed at the prospect of death, he wrote, I wish I had never been born. Here's a man who opposed Christianity all his life. But at the end of his life, nearing his death, he said, I wish I had never been born. His sense of desolation was deep and chilling. Toward the end, he was so afraid to death that he said to his doctor, I will give you a what I am worth if you give me six more months of life. Voltaire's 26. Melancholy plight has been that of many un another such as he. To all such worldlings, death is the super loss, utter and irremediable. The flickering taper is quenched forever. The candle is snuffed out in smoky darkness. The battery is exhausted. And in that instant, every thrill and ambition is extinguished with it. Twenty-seven. What a contrast. Say what a contrast. I don't know why I don't have this in dark print. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. You just read it was an utter loss for, for Voltaire and people who are unsaved. But listen to what Paul says. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I didn't want. I do not know. 
to get the context of this, Paul was saying, maybe God wants me to minister more to, to people. But I desire to be with him. That's what he's saying. For I am a straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart to be with Christ, which is, in the Greek, is far, far better. In the first place, death is gained to Christians because of the one to whom it takes us to. Scarcely, Paul has said, to die his game before he adds, I am straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart to be with Christ, which is far better. The one and only thought which could set Paul wistfully wishing to leave his wonderful ministry on earth was that of being with Christ in heaven. Same ministry. I hope I make some of you feel guilty. God has a ministry for you. And you have yet to take it up. Can I get a witness? Let me put it this way. I'm not trying to be smart. Get to it. Don't keep putting it off. Get to it. The prospect of being with our Lord Jesus Christ will mean more to some Christians than to others. Our desire to be with him there will correspond with the degree to which we love and prize him here. Let me, to put it mildly, how much do you love Jesus? Just how much? That's what he's saying. To those who love him even now as they're all in all, the meeting, the meeting with him over there will be sheer rapture. To others, perhaps, it will not be quite the intensity of bliss, at least not in the first moment of meeting. Nevertheless, this is true, that in each born-again believer, say born again. I'm not going to go into a dissertation about John chapter 3. Let me put it this way. You must be born again. You must. It's, it's not an option. You must be born again. Good works won't do it. Sacrificing won't do it. You must be born again. Nevertheless, this is true that each born-again believer, there is such love for the Lord Jesus that the anticipation of seeing him face to face is deeply stirring. Most certainly, the contemplation of being with the adorable Savior is the first thing that makes heaven magnificent. There's a lot more, but I'm not going to read it. Let me say it this way. How much do you love the Lord, the person who saved you? How much do you love him? Or, and I'm not trying to pick on anyone, are you still living like the world? If you do, you don't love him that much. Can I get a witness? Well, I didn't get many amens on that, but that's true, and you know it. And I have to point to myself first so you don't think I'm picking on anyone. 28. O death, where's your victory? O Hades, that's the word death. That's another place of departed spirits. Gehenna is the final place of departed body and soul. 
where's your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Well, Brother Bruce, if I keep the Ten Commandments, I'm saved. Here's the problem with that. No one can keep the Ten Commandments, and no one ever could. And if you, somebody just said, if you sin in one, the Bible says in James, you've done them all. I'm going to say this about myself. And don't get me wrong. Do you know in my corrupt nature, I have murder in my heart? Do you know in my corrupt nature, I have adultery in my heart? Do you know in my corrupt nature, I have lust in my heart? Can I get a witness? You need to be born again. Don't fool yourself. That's why it took God the Son to save you. No created being could have ever saved you in your lost condition. You were lost beyond recovery. Only God could recover you. Let me ask you that solemn question. And I don't know why I have it here. I could have had it earlier. Where will you spend eternity? Where are you going to spend it? Earnestly consider it, and don't take it lightly. Where will you spend eternity? How much time I have, Pastor? I can't see. Pastor said whatever I need, so I guess I'll speak two hours and 32 minutes more then. Thank you. And, and Big Mike told me I could speak three hours. There was a rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared, and fared sumptuously every day. You can tell this is the King James. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's ta table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried into, by the angels into Abraham's bosom. I'm not going to get into all the <laughs> phraseology. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham. Okay, this is a parable. I don't care if you call it a parable or not. Many commentators says this was an actual occurrence told by Jesus Christ himself. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tremendous in this flame. For Abraham said, Son, remember that you in your lifetime receive good things, and likewise Lazarus, evil things, but now is he comforted, and you are say that last word. Amen. I don't know how to say this. Say what you want to, diminish the girl like you want to, but there's life after death. And besides all this between us and yours, there is a great gulf fixed so that 
they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. If there remains any great gulf fixed between you and, this is my comment, if there remains any great gulf fixed between you and Christ in this world, I'm, that's my way of saying there's a great gulf between the sinner and the saint. Can I get a witness? And the gulf can be bridged by the eternal Son of God. There will be a great gulf fixed between you and the God-man. That's right. I said it a thousand times. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, is both God and man. But the great God fix in this life doesn't have to continue. There's hope, like I read. No, I'm not going to read this over again. What's that hope? But God. Say, but God. But God. Being rich, he's not stingy like me sometime. But somebody said all of us, and that's true. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show this surpassing riches. Say surpassing. surpassing. Don't you know it will take you an eternity, Christian, to realize how much God loves you. You can't even comprehend it. Our minds can't conceive it. And one of the proofs of his surpassing love and God's love for you when he allowed his son to go to the cross in your behalf. The other day I dropped my closet door on my foot, almost hit it. No, I didn't hit it. I didn't feel any pain. Can you imagine? Nails in his feet. One nail in his foot. Both feet crossed. Can you just imagine? I'm afraid something even hitting my foot. And here he allowed himself. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Say faith. If I can get one thing across, it's faith in the finished work of the Son of God. Not in your so-called good works. They follow, but they don't contribute to your salvation. And that of yourselves is the gift, not a gift, the gift. Well, I'm glad we got Kleenex up here. Please let me warn my five brothers. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. Send Lazarus, that is. For I have five brothers that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto them, they have Moses and the prophets. Let me stop right there. If you don't believe the scriptures, you won't believe anything. You just won't believe it. If someone came back from the dead, you won't believe it. 
They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Father Abraham, but if one said unto them from the dead, they rep repent. They'll repent. Say repent. repent. I'm taking it out of context. You who are lost, you need to repent. And, tell, and let me tell you who gives you repentance. God himself. I'm not going to get into semantics of that, but God grants repentance. And he said unto them, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though some rose from the dead. Here's a synopsis of that. In Hades, he lifted up his eyes so he could see. Being in torments, so he could feel. And sees Abraham, Lazarus, so he could recognize. He recognized, Ab he recognized Abraham, the rich man. He cried and said, so he could speak. Abraham, mercy. So he pleaded. I am tormented in this flame, so he could suffer. Brother, Brother Bruce, God wouldn't allow anybody to suffer. The one who suffered the torments of hell on that cross was his only begotten son. Abraham said to him, so he could hear. Son, remember. So he had memory. Send my brothers. He could reflect, lest they also come. So he could think. Don't you let anybody tell you, I'm going to say it again. When you're dead, you're dead. Look at the synopsis given to Abraham, or excuse me, of the rich man. Let me go backward. He could think, reflect, memory, hear. He could suffer. He did suffer. He pleaded. He could speak, he recognized, he felt, and he could see. It sounds like to me he's a real personality. Earnestly consider and do not regard lightly again. Where will you spend eternity? I don't know why God put this message on my heart, but there might be someone here without you knowing that you're going to be in eternity soon. Let me give you one practical illustration. Other day, I heard on the news, on my cell phone, a dad laid his gun on the table, by all means, his son shot himself in the head. Let me give you another one. A little person was playing with a gun, went through the ceiling, shot a lady in the head. You don't know when you're going to leave here. Can I get a witness? Why don't you get right with God now? Well, you thought I was going to talk for two hours and 32 minutes. But I'm done. Let me end with this. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift, the son of his love. Let's give the Lord a hand.